0: Thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Ryan Gagnon, and I can't wait to share this next episode with you. We're going to be hearing from Pastor Todd McQueen as he continues our series, Anchored on the Unseen. We've prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting our community on the web. We hope God uses it to encourage and to challenge you. We also encourage you to serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. We've been studying this idea of being God's representatives in our communities. What does it mean to be a representative for Christ? If one were to write out the qualifications for such a job, what would they be? You don't have to wait long. Pastor Todd will be guiding us through 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 6, to illustrate what those qualifications are. Once we know the qualifications, how can we hope to do this job well? What role does the Holy Spirit play in it? Pastor Todd will answer these questions and many others. Let's listen in together as he leads the body in Ocala to do your job with full disclosure.
1: Church, we continue our series this morning, and we've been talking a lot about being God's representative. We started in Genesis; where we were God's representatives to our community, and as Pastor Ryan taught from Genesis, we are also representatives to the angelic host. And last week we studied that we are be our representatives to our communities. And this week, we're talking a lot more about being a representative. And what does that mean? What, are your, what is your job to represent? So this week, I was looking for job calls. How many of you ever looked for a new job and searched it on the internet or whatever, job postings? And when I was employed by the state of Ohio, we had these postings. It was called, you meet the quals, is what they called it. So I was looking for job qualifications. And this is basically the 911 operator, and I found this on the website just this week. So this job is basically $15 an hour at 30 plus thousand. So here's what they require. You're able to prioritize and handle large volumes of incoming calls, able to prioritize information and calls based upon pertinent information obtained, you got to remain calm to assist hysterical callers during incidents of volatile situations. Is that the understatement of the world right there? Who calls 911 and says, "What do you want on your pizza?" I know that probably happens, but that one made me giggle. You got to remain calm in hysterical what's hysterical callers. You have to have a knowledge of the geographical boundaries of Ocala as needed to assist and respond appropriately to citizens' requests for information, directions, and service. Able to read various maps associated with geographic boundaries, you've got to provide the police and emergency assistance to the deaf community and demonstrate the ability to properly operate the TDD for the deaf. You have to respect human diversity and respond professionally in all situations. You have to demonstrate active and accurate listening abilities. And you have to be familiar with support agencies and able to refer citizens according to their need. Ability to assess numerous resource manuals and directories to provide thorough and complete service to peers and citizens. Whoever thought a 911 operator had to know all this stuff? Attendance and performance requirements. You're required to report to work at the appointed hour as scheduled and to work the entire assigned shift until duly relieved. There's got to be a funny story behind that one. Show up to work when you're scheduled and stay the entire shift, and you got to stay until you are relieved from your shift. So, the minimum qualifications high school diploma or GED. You got to complete. The call-taker training is preferred for this job, and experience in customer relations. Wait a second. The minimum of calls for this is a high school education, but they want you to be the best PR person that ever existed. And you have to live in Ocala or Marion County. The minimum job requirements, the job requirements, if you want to make thirty around $30,000 for Marion County and voluntarily sign up for being 911 call receptionist, that's tough. Anybody throw up their hand this morning and say, I cannot wait to do that job. And the pay, the pay should be like $1.2 million to take those kind of calls nonstop and to know all the streets of Ocala. How many... Frank, you've lived here for how many years? Do you know the streets of Ocala? <laughs> yeah. 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 I still use a GPS to get to Robbie's house. <laughs> so what are the job requirements as a representative for God? What does it mean to be a representative for God? What are the job calls? Pick up with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. What does God say? Here's what I expect of you because this is your job. You have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. Now is your job qualifications. We'll be on page 800. If anybody needs the story Bible this morning. Page 800. 2 Corinthians 4. Verse 1, therefore, stop there. If you picked up one of the Bible reading guides, one of the things we'll ask over and over again, why is the therefore, therefore? So that's the shortest reading you probably ever come to and heard a sermon. I'm going to move past the therefore. But therefore, why is the therefore? Therefore? Since you've been transformed, move back one verse. Move back one verse. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we all with unveiled faith, beholding, with all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, for one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Why is it the therefore, therefore? Because you are being transformed into the same image of Jesus, one step at a time, one bit by a bit. The Holy Spirit is the one who transforms you. What does it mean to be in the Holy Spirit? Remember, to walk to the beat of his drum, to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. That is a process. You're being transformed over time. Time with God transforms us because our previous eyes were spiritually blind. Since God has removed our spiritual cataracts, we can see with unveiled face Jesus. We have faith in Jesus, so we see the glory of the Lord. Do you see how amazing that is? Because you have faith in Jesus, you get to see Jesus. The veil has been removed. And this transformation takes time and it's one degree to another to what? So you're a better person. So you're more not like the neighbor. So you don't do this anymore. No, it's not away from, but to, it's toward Jesus. Being transformed into being more like Jesus is not that you're not like that anymore. That's the negative side of seeing it. The positive side is I'm chasing down what it means to be like Jesus. The pursuit of righteousness. The therefore is therefore because as your life is being transformed, you have a job. It's not all about you. The poster child for chapter 4 is not, hey, look at me, I'm doing a good job, God. Oh, good, I'm transforming you by the power of the Holy Spirit, God says, into the image of my son for this job. Welcome to chapter 4. Chapter four, verse one. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case the god of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel the glory of Christ who is the image of God For what we proclaim is not ourselves but Jesus Christ our Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake For God who said let the light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ What is a representative Therefore, having this mercy, see the word, have, well, therefore, having this ministry. See the word ministry in your text right there? How many of you have heard, uh, just look up here a second. What is a minister? Uh, I mean, if you Google it, you probably see the collar thing, which would do me no good because it would be colored up. Uh, and mine would not be white, it would probably be some kind of striped plaid because I'm Scottish. But what is a minister? What does the word literally mean? When Paul says, do the work of ministry, what is that a code word for? It's not a professional person that does the Bible reading and wears funky clothes and gets a parsonage. No, it means servant, a slave. Do the work of ministry. The word comes where we get the word deacon. Anybody heard the word deacon? We kind of assign that as leadership. But if I worked for Ross and I was his deacon, I'd be carrying you the nails. We have this idea that ministry is about the people up front who get paid to do it. The biblical definition of this word means to serve, to be a servant, to meet the needs of other people. It's actually a word that means when the deacons were first created in Acts, what were they doing? Let me back, what were they doing? Waiting tables, exactly. So the word waiter, servant, when you go out for lunch today and that poor person has to understand what you want, remember exactly what you want, how you want it, where you sat, which I would never volunteer for that job, they are serving you, your server. Welcome to Outback. My name is Todd. I'll be your Server, deacon. Now let's. Everybody who's being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ is a transformed person who is to be a servant. How did Jesus best illustrate this? To, his, to the men who would lead the baby church, to the twelve. What did he do? He washed their feet. The God of all creation who spoke, we just sang that, the God of all creation, Lord of heaven's light, came down to wash shoes' feet. He served. Are you about you or are you about service? Are you being transformed into the image of Christ so you look good about being transformed into this cool Christian butterfly? Or is it about service? Because a changed person is a people person. You move from self-centered to Jesus-centered, and Jesus says, if you love me, you will do what with other people? Love them. Now, let me just stop here for a second. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm actually an introvert. Miss Deb shaking her head vigorously. This bugged me. I didn't get this until late in my seminary. How can I be a peaceful person when it drains the wadden out of me? I get recharged by being all alone. And I loved being around people that were like, I'm around Pastor Ryan. You just infuse him with nitro, the more people you put around him, he's like, Murr. So one o'clock this afternoon, he's like, and I'm like, F-poof. I go home two o'clock today, I'll be in a coma-induced nap. Is that true, Ms. Deb? I'm just letting you behind the scenes. Two o'clock, you call my phone, I'm not answering. I can't. But God, I want to be a people person. Okay, obey me. Serve other people because it's obedient to me. An introvert can serve introverts. An introvert can do the work of ministry in powerful ways and now I'm okay with that. I just know that when it comes time for me to tap out, I gotta. My tank is going down as the morning goes. Pastor Ryan is going up. It's going this way. Do I not? I love people. I want to pastor. I want to serve you. I want to hear your God stories this week. I want to see how the week went to progress further. But I know that being transformed into the image of Christ, which Pastor Michael has known me since the days of seminary, when I first figured out that I was an introvert, I thought I was fired. How many of you, well, you don't have to raise your hands, but are actually an introvert, but you do okay in social settings. And I'm like, for real, God? You want me to be a pastor? And I don't even like people. But he is working, he said, we would transform. And I would, this is where we're going to end the sermon, but just a little disclosure. Who has the authority on a Sunday morning to say, Todd, you've done well, now go home? Pastor Michael and Pastor Brian. I hand that authority to them. I'm going to serve you all as hard as I can. I want to wash feet. I want to serve you and do everything that's needed. But man, I start running out of energy. And it's those two that say, no, you hang on. You do good. Or, good job, buddy. I'll go home and go to the coma. That wasn't even in my notes. But I just wanted to share that. You might be an introvert this morning you're like, Jesus, you want to transform me into the image of you, and it means serving others. And the way in which an introvert can serve other introverts and the way they can energize where they need to be energized, that's the whole rest sermon we did on how to find rest, this part of learning where God's got you, how he wired you. And he says this, look, we're still in verse 1, do not, we do not lose heart. Paul, the great apostle, who's been transformed from a Pharisee who killed Stephen, took his coat and said, good job, kill kill him, and now God calls him into ministry. He's going to uh, write in a letter to Corinth for the second time. You'd think he wouldn't say, don't lose heart. Why is that in there? Because working with people is hard work, isn't it? If you've been on this earth more than five minutes or raised an Edmund... How old is Edmund now? A month. That dude is demanding. Because you got a a grand total of two and a half hours of sleep last night? Maybe. Now imagine dealing with spiritual babies. They refuse to grow up and still want their diapers changed. They want to know about God, look like God, and they want to have a great big looking flashlight that doesn't really shine anything. And you're working with them? Don't lose heart. Keep praying. But for this reason, we do not lose heart, Paul says. It's easy to focus on the difficulty of the people tasks. Does that make sense? On focusing on working with people. It's easy to focus on that. Because they make a lot of noise. But don't. Take the focus of the master we serve. If we're all servants, who is the master? I may wash Ross's feet, but for whom do I work? For whose applause? Jesus. Jesus is the master. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that's the Lord part, the boss. The rightful king. And this is actually pretty cool. That's actually on a door somewhere over in the Middle East. It's a picture of washing feet. I'm going to invite you to a communion service here some night. We do that. Quarterly, wash feet. To serve one another. But let's move on. Verse 2 but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. It's not there. What is a representative not to be? A representative, your job description this morning is not to be a secret agent. The word literally means to purposely distance yourself. You're okay with being a Jesus follower on Sunday, but when it comes to Monday morning, you kind of start doing do this back step, and you slowly start distancing yourself from your Lord and Savior. But make bold statements of your faith in word and deed. Match your word with your deed. What you're about in following Jesus isn't secretive. You're not his secret ancient man. Take off the costume, remove the shades and the little thing out of your ear. Be an upfront, on-purpose agent for Jesus this week. Don't be a shysty manipulator, the bait-and-switch guy. Have anybody ever been to the midway at the fair? I remember this as a kid. Pay your money, take your chances, ride the Ferris wheel. Pay your money and take your... Yeah, you gotta shoot this little this BB gun that's like angled at forty-five degrees and nail something, or you gotta throw a ball at these. Everything's gimmick. Do you think those guys are there to take your money and to give you a fifty-three-dollar stuffed doll? And we know this walking down the midway. But Frank and I would still throw a baseball at something to try to hit it. Carnies are professional manipulators. This is the same way of going to the workplace and sharing Jesus without talking about repentance. You're manipulating them. Here's the solution for your life problem, and you don't have to do anything about you changing the lordship of your life. I want to rub some spiritual salve on your situation, and I'm going to talk about Jesus, but I won't ask you to repent. Repentance is putting him as your lord of your life. That's a manipulation. Manipulation. I see this all the time on Facebook. Here's some good Jesus stuff. I'll get together with the church on Sunday. It makes me feel Jesus y. And rampant sin exists in their life. And when a fellow brother and sister of Christ comes and says, Knock it off, you're like, Oh. See where the transformation into being more Christ-like is more spiritual maturity time over time because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because you're not being manipulated into thinking, I can just have some Jesus and everything will be fine. But he's doing the work of transforming us into a full-fledged representative that's not a secret agent, that's not manipulative. And don't if you're an agent for God, as a representative for God, you don't get to rewrite his word. Tampering with God's word with your own editorial pen is either by manipulating it, mutilating it, or adding to it. This alters its truth. That's why we read Jeremiah this morning. Why was the God so mad in Jeremiah? We like reading your word, God. He says, then walk in such a way to evidence it. And what's their response? We don't want to walk that way. By the way, how does the book of Jeremiah end? Not good. Not good at all. And God comes out really early and says, hey, listen to my word. And they're like, hey, we're religious. We like reading your word. We even go to the synagogue and we read it. I copy and paste John 3.16 all the time. I even got a bumper sticker on my car. God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa then walk like it, drive like it. Nothing drives me, I I get road rage sometimes and I don't need, you know, I don't want to be convicted because my license plate says I love Jesus just like cut somebody off in traffic. But don't edit it. How else do we manipulate God's word? I've already said sharing Jesus without the idea of repentance. But what did Satan do? Satan quoted God's word against Jesus. That would, I'd love to have had a ringside seat for that. God who wrote the word, Jesus is, I, John says he is the word. He's got the whole thing memorized. And Satan quotes scripture to him. The most intimidating part of what I do on a regular basis, what Pastor Michael does when he sings a song, is to make sure the lyrics of that song and what we teach... Is according to God's Word. And it's sometimes when you flip page to page, it gets rather tough to say the truth in a public setting. I have to say it. Sin is sin. Love your wife. Have sex only with your wife. And that has made people leave this building. You are in sin. Repent. Reach your community. It's not all about Jesus. These are the things you'll hear over and over again because it's in God's word. I can't edit it and say, you've come to have some time with God. We've got a pep talk. Now go be good. Sometimes we hear God's word edited like this. There's more than one way to God and Jesus was a good guy. And the what will respond is, Tammy, you mean to tell you there is such a thing as truth and you're believing in an archaic book written by a bunch of dead old Jews that says God is the only way to heaven and there's actually truth in there that I can read for myself and know for myself? Are you a moron? Yeah. How many of you have encountered that when interacting with people? Don't edit it. Be a full-fledged agent. Don't manipulate people. Don't edit God's word. And don't be a purposeful or willful hypocrite. Give full disclosure in every segment where you live and breathe to clearly indicate that you love Jesus in your mouth and your actions. Carry that neon bold sign that you're walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Authentically interact with your community as you're going and making disciples. Give full disclosure what you are about. Why are you having lunch with me? I've been praying for you, and I'd like to see you come to know Jesus. Now, work it so you're nice. You really do want to, you care for people, you want to serve for people, you want to be around them. But when they ask you, Miss Jesse, why are you bringing... Blah, blah, my name is blah, blah, I live across the road, and you're bringing over cupcakes. At some point, come out with full disclosure. Why did I pick the word hypocrite here? Okay, the one side of it is people in the street hate us, hate people who follow Jesus because they say, you're a hypocrite. I'm talking about the exact opposite. God says, you're following me, and you're going to be hypocritical toward me. Don't be a hypocrite to the Lord and Savior who bought and ransomed you. We detest the other side. You say you love Jesus, and you go out there and you act like the fool. And that's why many people the, outside the church say you're a bunch of hypocrites. The other side is that I'm asking you to focus on Jesus when he says, follow me, are you being hypocritical to him when you go to work tomorrow? Don't be a willful hypocrite. That is not a representative of God. That is not in your job qual. Give full disclosure. And let me add this. If it's one thing I've learned about people, when they self-assess, do you know what I mean by that word? When they identify themselves, they're horrible at it. You ever met somebody who says, hey, I'm an incredibly patient person? Odds are they're not. Give somebody else authority in the local church to do your job eval. Don't be the willful hypocrite, but give somebody, open up, be authentic with somebody else in the faith and say, hey, I'm having a hard time self-identifying. I think I'm really good at this. And I could say, no. Or yeah, let's work on that. But give somebody else in the family of faith the authority to speak into your life. So the enemy, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Even if... Our gospel is veiled, is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If there is a veil over the truth, if there is something covering the truth, By all means, don't let it be because of your public testimony. If something is going to hamper the communication of truth, don't let it be your living, your actions, your way of interacting with your community. Put a veil over the truth. But the veil over the mind, the word here is for the mind, the veil that comes over the mind, the curtain that's over the mind is over those people who are currently perishing. They are dying. I'm not talking about come to Jesus because you're going to hell perishing. I'm talking about they are currently dying. Your neighbor who's trying to figure out what in the world does it mean to love my wife, who does not know Jesus, that relationship can look good on the outside, but without the truth of God's word and what that looks like is dying. They are currently perishing. Does that motivate you to go to them with that mindset and mindset and full disclosure, as an agent, as a representative of God, to go to them with truth unveiled? Because the God of this world, A.K.A. Satan, I would love to spend time with you afterwards, but the timing of what Paul means by here, but the current ruler, little r, of this world is Satan. His job, his intent is not to make you sleep in on Sunday. It's to keep people's minds from seeing the light of Jesus Christ. You are not the enemy. You're a representative of his enemy. You're an image of God and he hates anything about God. You coming to know Jesus is you becoming more transformed into his likeness. And that's what he doesn't like. And so Paul is using words here like a curtain, like a veil, covering your mind. And blinded our minds to those who have yet to follow Jesus. Because remember, the image before in chapter 3 is, the veil has been lifted because you see what? Jesus. He wants to keep the curtain shut. And it's over the mind. The way people think when you interact with them could be that their mind is veiled. There's a curtain over it. They can't get it. So what are our our representative requirements? Move to verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So as we continue in this transformation process from chapter three, proclaim, tell, say it, declare Jesus. There's gonna have to be a point in time when you develop a relationship with that neighbor. You like your neighbors, you've told them that Miss Grace, I don't know much of your story, but if all they know until their dying days that you were a nice lady who cooked really good cookies, and you never proclaimed shared. Miss Joan, you volunteer like crazy. There comes to be a time when faithful obedience to Jesus because you're transformed more and more bit by bit into the image of his son that you will need to literally communicate, Jesus loves you. You need to repent and turn to him. Because people are perishing. Does this make sense? I I'm all about spending time with people, getting to know them and getting the relational equity. What I mean, to ask the hard question about Jesus, I want to have the ability to be able to honor that difficult question with a relationship. How many of you bought a house? Come on, Jesse, I know you. There's nothing like standing naked in front of your financial people, is there? They want to know everything about you. How many of you made that decision from the day to buy the house, to purchase the house, and you went home and took possession in like 24 hours? Now well, the process takes forever. After all, you're signing your life away for, what, 30 years? Or longer or somewhere in there. And for that process, if we had a young individual, they were newly married, and they say, hey, we want to buy a house, but we want to be done by next week. You look at them and say, you're nuts. It's not going to happen. When you talk to somebody about Jesus, take the time because you're doing life transformation idea with them. Yes, be bold. Do not be the secret agent. Be in full disclosure with them and say you need a relationship with Jesus, but willing to stick in there, not looking for the conversion. Yeah, I'll have me some Jesus, but into the making of a disciple. It's going to take a ton of time. You're investing in somebody's life and eternal life. It's a lot bigger decision than a 30-year mortgage. So Paul says, hey, we proclaimed Christ. We proclaimed, look at verse 5. What does he say he didn't proclaim? Himself. This have me scratching my head this week. Have you ever met somebody who was so passionate about an idea that it really became all about them? The idea was quality, but they embodied it to such an extent that you knew what they were selling you was really all about them. I can think of quite a few things. Hear me well. Share Jesus. Do not make it about you. How does this happen? Ross, I'm incredibly concerned about your spiritual welfare. Or man, I'll be I'll feel better if I hit this dude over the Bible. Over the head with the Bible. I've done my duty. Pastor Todd said share Jesus in my community. I did it. Well, I'll be nice to them neighbors. They know more of my heart when I'm making some cookies. You see what I'm saying? You can, it, literally, we can take a great thing, sharing Jesus, and make it about ourselves. I'm doing good, God. I'm on your team. I'm, be, I'm a lot better than other pew sitters. Make it about him. Proclaim him about for him. Paul put it in the text. It's not about us. Serve people. Are you willing to be a foot washer for somebody else? And by the way, when this was written, what on the pecking order at the job is the foot washer? Way at the bottom. I don't know what the bottom first rung is. You get hired where you're working. Tommy, I don't know what the bottom of the rung is for surveying. But this is way down there. Jesus, Paul says, proclaim Jesus, then be willing to serve people. Why would he marry those two together? Proclaim Jesus is not about you. And by the way, serve others. All right, so I get to know Frank. Hey, Jesus loves you. Good. Heard that a few times. Hey, man, my truck broke down. Would you come and get me? No, walk. It don't work, does it? Serving people, loving people as Jesus loves them, gives you the honor of being able to talk to them. You're going to have to be people people. You cannot proclaim Jesus and then not want to serve people. And look at verse 6 as we go in closing. For God, who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, Has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The same creator God who spoke the galaxy into existence. We just had the meteor shower. How many go out and watch that? We got the solar eclipse. It's making the news. Everybody wants to go outside and watch that. That's the same God that said, Look at there, look at there, look what I made. This is awesome. People have spent a kajillion hundred billion dollars to go outside and watch this thing with a super telescope. And God's word says that is the same God who's in the business of creating light in people. People from spiritual death to spiritual life. If you're new, this is a picture of Jack and Christine Way. We knew Jack before Jack accepted Jesus. Not necessarily a bad dude, but we got to know Jack after he came to know Jesus... That dude's light was on, wasn't it? I just talked to him last week. God's still in the business of creating the light that only he can generate out of somebody when they come to know Jesus. And the great thing about it, those of us who are more spiritually mature, is when somebody comes to know Jesus and really doesn't know much about this, and this light is shining like a halogen lamp, and they're like, what? What? And we all sit back and go, whew! the same God who created light is in the same business of creating that in people. And guess who the messengers are with this good news or the gospel? You and I. Do your job with full disclosure this week. We've studied what it means to be a representative for God. Where? In our communities and with the people we're around. Do it with full disclosure. It's our job description. Build a relationship with somebody in the Grace family who can honestly give you a job evaluation. How many of you go through job evaluations on a quarterly or yearly or some kind of basis? I had to do them with the state of Ohio. They were kind of funny. Because at the bottom of my job. Qualification says as directed. So all these listening, and they the lieutenant would say, did you do as directed? But are we willing to develop relationships within this family right here to give them the authority to say, how am I doing? That's going to take time. It's going to take intentional interaction with God's people with one another. I'm just asking to develop those. If it's one thing people will hear over and over from me, do not do life alone. Who's your teammate? Develop that relationship and report to work. Work the entire assigned shift until you're duly relieved. Let's pray.
0: thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged and encouraged and helped by God and his word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, Ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.